to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for a full hour as we discuss important things of no significance. As we visit together, as we take a penny and leave the same penny immediately thereafter. Zero sum penny game. The only thing you'll have left is the smell of copper on your fingers. When I was in the army, not the army, the Salvation Army, I wasn't in the Salvation Army. I was in their store. It wasn't the Salvation Army. It was the Goody Barn. I was in the Goody Barn. Thank you for your service. And I had a vision. No, it was Pops Resale here in Lexington. And I had a vision. A figure appeared to me in the aisles between the 1970s Kiana silk shirts. And it was my boss from every mall job I ever had. Uh, Mr. Onions. Oh, you're doing it wrong. And he had a message for me, he said. He said, the key to understanding your brain. Now, he said this in his annoying voice. I'm not going to say it like that. He had a horrible voice. He used to roll his own cigarettes, and he would go into the tobacconist, and he would ask for rolling papers, and he would say, papers, please, like that. And it would scare the heck out of the clerk. But he always sounded like he was about to uh, bust a vein, like or an artery. Something was going. His head was going to explode, maybe. And it looked like that. You could see the pressure. Something was inside of his head that was exerting a great deal of pressure. A lot of it was blood, and just all the blood was in his head itself was like a blood blister. And I think it had what it had done is it forced all the brain to the edges. The brain matter was like, I'm not, if I'm not wanted, I'm just going to stand here against the wall. I think that's what was going on inside of him. But here he was, and I'm sure he's long dead, so that's why he was, maybe it was his ghostly image. And I thought he was going to say to me, uh, that shirt over there, that's Kiana Silk, and look at it, it has a, a photographic pattern of antique cars on it, isn't that sharp, all over the place. And I said, well, I don't know. It looks like the wallpaper in an old steakhouse. But I, could, I guess I could wear it. That wasn't why he was there. Like I said, he was going to tell me about the key to understanding the brain. Because now that he didn't have one, and now that he had gone through the experience of, of doing it wrong, his favorite catchphrase, you're doing it wrong, uh, then he, would, he could now understand things. And he said to me, he said this, he said, I, you're, what you have is a complaint about management. And I was like, and how? So I'm going to talk to you today about management. You say, oh, station manager Ken. No, I don't mean that. Oh, you mean like time management? No, M management uh, MGMT. You were on the flip side of an MGMT single. You're going to tell that story. No, it's not a very long story. So what, what management, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this, and I'm going to give a lot of examples, and then at the end of the show, I'm going to switch to talking about pie. So just be prepared. I'm telling you now. But you will pr probably absorb something. Don't you figure that? If we were going to take a walk, somebody say, I'm going to walk you through uh, the woods of intrigue to my paper towel museum. Now, you can already anticipate that the journey is going to be greater than the destination. And the destination will probably will be a crashing disappointment. But it doesn't matter. The majority of your time will be spent doing interesting things. And just look. Hey, listen. It's not always, it is never really just getting there. Getting there never gives you, what you exactly what you want unless you've gone to the store for a specific type of pasta and then you found it. You said, Cavatelli, you can't, that's usually a homemade one. Here it is, dry. Why am I not just making it? That's what I think when I go and I find it successfully. But other things like bread. So I'm going to buy some white bread and you go and there they have it at the store. Gosh, they have it, a lot of it. 
Now, here's an example. I worked in a grocery store, a small one, a very small one, one of those doomed-to-fail gourmet stores because it's right next to a big chain store that would gladly have anything that you have for half the price if it means driving you out of business. So it was that type of store. So working in an endeavor like that is challenging, and you know you're going to be defeated. You go, this is ridiculous. We don't stand a chance. It's like entering a Formula One race with your uh, homemade goat with your soapbox derby cart or something like that. Say, here's Mario Andretti, and the next entry is the Little It's Our Gang. Or it's the Little Rascals, and they made theirs out of uh, shipping pallets. And, oh, the wheel. What are the wheels? They're not even, they're square. What are they? They're, they're uh, window frames. They're not even proper uh, wheels. So <clears throat> that's what it feels like to be a small business sometimes. So uh, you can't do anything right. And so Mr. Onions might say something like, I want those shelves stocked with tomatoes, like cans of tomatoes or something. And so he leaves. And so you go in the back, and there's two boxes and you put them on the shelves, and the shelves are still mostly empty because there's not enough tomato cans. And so Mr. Onions comes back, and he looks at the shelves and goes, Oh, you did it wrong. And I said, Well, there's not enough boxes. Stop with the excuses. See, there's no way to be really happy or satisfied in that situation because management is working against you. It's a setup for failure. There's nothing you can do right. So your brain's telling you, oh, come on, we're going to do this. Everything's got, uh, and eventually you get very discouraged. You say, well, what's the point? I'm just going through this. I'll just endure being yelled at or just, and you become sort of a wonderful uh, zombie in this situation. Example number one. The other example is what I call uh Something for a day. What do you call the, uh, where you go in a parade? Oh, there's a, they honor you with a parade. You go, the Grand Marshal or something like that. It sounds horrible. It sounds like a European tyrannical, I was Grand Marshal. Where are you? Oh, you wreaked havoc all over Europe. But I think it means the head of a parade, which is bad too. Parades could turn on you. I always think that when I'm saying, oh, that looks, the person in that giant, scary clown head, Looks benign, but who knows? This could all be like a, a Trojan horse thing, and all of a sudden, those those batons or weapons. You know how everything's weapon. I learned that from kung fu movies. Everything is a weapon, especially yard, uh, you know, gardening tools, because your good old kung fu was like, oh, all the people had were gardening tools, and so they turned them into weapons. So there was one tool that they would use, and they would use it to blast rodents out and it shot they used gunpowder and little lead balls to blast those rodents out of the fields and someone saw that a monk saw it and said hmm i think that could be converted into a sort of weapon and others there's other examples too spears the spears that they would use to spear things in the field for instance you know um pomegranate shields could be used for shielding against other things besides pomegranates. So anything, can you think of tools? If I was speaking to a classroom, I think of young kids, and I was speaking, and say, hey, hey, y'all kids, anybody can, can you all think of anything that in your house that could be turned into a weapon? What are some examples of some things? And Legos, Legos, right? You put them down on the floor or something, someone's not going to get to you. What other, what else in your house could be? By the in-house, the built-in vacuum cleaner system. Oh, that's very interesting. How could that work? I don't know. But kids today are so sharp, they get you like that. I don't talk to classrooms very often because they say, we don't want you in here to, to speak to the children. They're already confused. That's what's so beautiful. They don't need you anymore, Hardy. They'll need you later when they when they're not confused, to reconfuse them and say, you need, you need to get in touch with the way you were when you were a child and start thinking about like, oh, I got a potty. Where am I going to potty? I'm afraid to use that bathroom. So like things like that. And then your mind will get off of things like work or 
career. I'm about to be fired and lose my livelihood. No, now you can go back to thinking about candy. What kind of candy you want? No, don't do that. You've got, see, that's the thing. Oh my gosh. All these things, your brain, how can you be, uh, I'm not here to tell you how to be happy. I'm just going to suggest some reasons that aren't your fault that you're miserable. So that's my, that's my, my big thing is that, I don't know, happiness and joy, we strive for it. I strive for that in every moment. But as someone who has been uh, always an employee of my brain and never really management, that's what I'm getting to, and as anyone, that's my point. As an employee of my brain, uh, uh, you know, so uh, I understand that these things are all not a matter of will always. You know, when you're depressed, somebody say, oh, you're so awesome. Am I? Now I'm getting to the Grand Marshal part. They say, well, you, uh, well, you're terrific. I think you've already, I haven't accomplished anything. Well, maybe you have. I think you have. I think you're a beautiful, unique, wonderful, creative person. And now you're Grand Marshal of this parade. Is that enough? Oh, I don't know. See, that's the thing. If they, if they told you that at that moment, you have everything you want now. Are you happy? No. Well, I wonder if you were actually there, though, and had like an adrenaline rush. Would go, oh, my gosh, I'm in a parade. Uh, at least you'd feel something different. But I don't even know. This is a thought experiment I do with myself, and I don't want to make it universal. That's the thing. I'm, I, feel, I feel like, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to draw with broad strokes, but I have to because of my arthritis. I can't do delicate work. So let me paint some big, broad brush strokes like I'm painting a house of someone I don't care for. A lot of self-help books, I think, when I read them, I feel like that person's talking to themselves. You know, because, say, well, this is what I did. I was hungry, and so I ate food, and maybe you should. And that, that is a, a lot. And uh, although I think that many people are like me, um, I think what I haven't, in common with them is the the suffering, not the solution necessarily. So I may say, yes, oh my gosh, I know what you mean by pain or uh, confusion or fear. I have those too. I do not know uh, what to do about it. And so if I was to solve it even temporarily, how do I know that that wasn't just luck or something? I don't always know the difference between causation and correlation. But when I do want to know, I go on the internet and someone will, well, actually, my friend, well, actually, will uh, come on and tell me the difference and tell me when I'm confusing it. Or another one is whenever I'm making, um, what do you call it, survivor bias or something. I'll always be pointed out, which is wonderful. Thank you, internet. Also, flaws in your facial features. You can take onto the internet and someone's like, ah, this is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with your butt. Well, nothing's wrong with your butt. That's the thing. And uh, that wrong is always, always relative. You know, you're never going to, if you don't want to lose a beauty contest, don't enter beauty contests ever. Don't make it. That's what I find. <laughs> I don't want to, if I don't, if I'm not comfortable being evaluated a certain way, I can't put myself in that position. So, you know, if you say, uh, let's say, oh, I want, to, I want people to read my writing. All right. You submit it to different. No, no. Why? Oh, rejection. All right. You, it's, you can't overcome that. No. All right. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, just hand it to them on the street then or something like that because you're asking to be evaluated. And uh, I'm not big on it, to be honest. So uh, I've... I've I've tried, so I've tried uh, very hard to be published. I have submitted things at least once, I think one time. Many people will tell you this, oh, I didn't get, I had to, if I, you know, my poetry didn't get published, it took me 100, 100,000 submissions. And finally, I got it published by my mom. Uh, I helped her set up an online magazine. So, you know, sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes you got to really th I think myself out of some things. And you say, well, you've talked yourself out of it. Yeah, good. You can't even imagine the, the harm I've talked myself out of. Can you? And I'm proud of it. 
Because there's uh, some things I thought I'd be successful. They were other people's dreams. That's easy from watching television. Other people's dreams got in my head, and I thought I had to do some things to feel good about myself, but they weren't my dreams. And what were your dreams, Hardy? I didn't have any. That's not how way I saw life. <laughs> I didn't see life in terms of I have to be uh, Abraham Lincoln or I got to, uh, you know, I got to turn into this. I will be an astronaut who leads a parade. And it's not quite how I, how I saw things, but it was an a introduction to being evaluated and managed. And so... I, uh, I thought, well, that's what I, that's what I need is that my love will be when you're, you know, if you're lucky, come into this life and you have people that, uh, have to, uh, love you because they're, it's a biological imperative or something like, it's cute. It looks like me. This does not always work. I acknowledge this. <coughs> and then you will meet people who have to be talked into loving you. And a lot of times it would be based on your curriculum vitae or your uh your resume what you've done uh, you know like it, let's say you're at a cocktail party it's like oh tell me about yourself what uh what rocket are you in what uh what's your what do they used to say what's your what game are you in <laughs> i'm puffing a cigar and you'd say i'm in the insurance biz <laughs> yeah man i'm in the law rocket <laughs> Like stuff like that. Uh, I'm an artist. You're an artist, yeah. Well, uh, how about I know your stuff? Oh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in museums. I'm like Picasso, but I'm from New Jersey or something. So, oh, all right. So it has to be a certain level to, you know, uh, you want to impress and you think, oh, they're judging me because I said I manage alums or something like that. I don't. Oh, I wish. And uh, but uh, who knows? I should reference other restaurants once i'm just gonna start naming them um joe uh joe joe jama's kitchen i'm just making them up because i don't want to hurt any feelings and i don't want to be nostalgic hey remember when we were young and there was those restaurants that sold people's fingers all fried up no i don't know i have no my nostalgia, sometimes I go back and I really, if I really think about those memories, they're all horrible and terrifying. You know, oh, I remember that store as a kid. But then if I really start remembering it, mm -mm, it's weird. So I think I've been convinced, first of all, that nostalgia was something that was interesting to me. And then, you know, when, it's like nostalgia is sports and then... There's different types of sports, and then you realize, oh, no, it's sports that are bad. No, sports aren't bad. That was a bad example. Music. Music is bad. No, music's not bad either. Something, there's something that's entirely bad. Business, maybe. I don't know. what. You know, business is bad, Hardy? Well, not having our needs met or something isn't bad. You know, the way you go about it, uh, tricking people might be, I will trade you this pretty shell for that ambergris. So I don't know, you know, that's uh it's not always an even trade. I have something that you might want. What is it? It makes food taste like flowers. All right. What do you need from me? I need your mountain. So I don't know if that's I think that's the way they used to do it. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not. I'm a lot of uh I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a person. Just things. I'm made of things. No, I am a person, I guess. I feel like it. I feel vulnerable and silly and foolish and like I could be easily taken advantage of, which I could if my attention span was longer. I can't imagine the trouble I would get into. People could convince me of things. I wouldn't make a good cult member because I'd just i miss. Like by the third meeting, I'd be like, I don't know. I think I'm over this stuff. That's why they try to draw you in where you can't move or something like, you know, move in with us. You know, oh, I don't know. That's a big move. I'm just going to pretend I'm going to keep my place. If I joined a cult, I would secretly keep my own apartment and I would just bring like a toothbrush over to the cult one. I guess it's a house. I don't know. No, you might be a thing underground. It could be a Quonset hut underground. That sounds a little bit of fun. But I want to always make sure the door is still unlocked. You know me. 
So, um, they're, oh, this is this this is the special part we've been waiting for. And I'm like, just I'll be right back. I'm gonna use the bathroom outside. My friend used to do that. He, goes, he had stones or something. He goes, I'm gonna go outside. Why? I go, it's just the air. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that would make the urine would flow better if he was outside. I, f- I feel that sometimes. There's times when you go, I need to throw up, but I think I need to throw up outside or something. I don't You're probably, well, you lost me there, Hardy. All right. It's just that, I don't know, the, the, the toilet is such a ugh, horrible place. There needs to be something, something else. Regular sink, vomiting sink. You don't have to use it very often. They have, in labs, they have those sinks where you wash the acid out of your eyes. Now, how often does that happen? That's really set up for, like, we hope, I hope we never have to use this. Same with the vomiting sink. There'd be like, I'm willing to have lots of things in, in the house that I'm really, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, I'm never going to have to use. But I might need to, if there was, you get a cut on your hand. I've got this thing you stick, it's built into the house. You stick your hand in and it helps it sprays some kind of uh, sealant all over your hand. It's organic. It's made from the cells of, uh, I want to say monkeys, but I think it's mice. And it's like a glove made of, of mammal cells, like a skin layer, and it stops any kind of cuts on your hand. And that's built into my house. Well, beta, the beta version. I'm not sure how well it works. Oh, I'm I'm not like adventurous like that. That sounds to me like those intercon. This again, this is not nostalgia. This is just I'm old. But houses, when I was a child, had a lot of them had inter what they call intercoms. So there'd be a speaker with buttons on it. Each all your olds are going. I remember that my house still has that. And um, you could speak. That's so American houses are very large. They're like French chateaus. And it is not possible to just simply shout from one room to the next, or nor is it possible to walk to the next room, to the rec room, and say, Herbert, I need you. So you would do, you press this button, and you'd be, Herbert, I need you. And that, or, bing, bong, and the uh, front doorbell would ring in every room, and then you could go, hello. Have a I have a package like that, and then don't ever answer it when they say that. I lived in an apartment building in France, and um, people would try to get in. They'd have to buzz in, and they, you know, this from any city though. They just hit all the buzzers, hoping somebody just buzzes them in. A lot of times, people that leave the free advertisement newspapers. Sometimes it was homeless people having to come in and uh, have a rest in the lobby. And sometimes I would answer, I'd go, hello, <laughs> and I don't speak French, so it would be funny. And they'd go, <laughs> and I'd say, I don't know what you're saying, please go away. Um, uh, and uh, I shouldn't have just, I shouldn't have answered, is the thing, don't answer the door. That's so scary. Did you ever not answer your door? Even if it's benign, it feels uh, terrifying to me. Sometimes they'll come around, somebody will be soliciting a lawn service, or they want to spray... People like want to spray chemicals everywhere. Here we go. I'll spray for kill. If you want something killed, I got chemicals. So they come around, knock on the door, and say, "Do you already have a chemical spray killing service?" So they're benign. <laughs> and um, but so sometimes I don't answer the door because I just don't. Maybe I don't need that convo, right? Because they make you feel guilty. All right, well, up yours. I just don't need it. I'm sorry. Um, lawn service too. I already have a lawn service. Prove it. Well, I don't. I don't know that I have to. Um, so sometimes I don't answer the door, but the banging. Now a few months ago, somebody tried to get in, and a nefarious person, the police were looking for somebody, and they were uh, knocking on people's doors, trying to get in, to hide, which is uh, that's a little terrifying. So then you don't answer it. And I just kept saying, oh, I have, I have a lawn service, like that. It was scary, but um, thank goodness that I have gardening tools. So I have gardening tools, I have a um, baton and everything from a parade. 
so you know, I, I knew all those from... When I was young, we didn't have internet, YouTube, YouTube videos on the internet, any of that. So when we wanted to uh, dangerously and incorrectly teach ourselves martial arts, we would have to get a Kung Fu magazine, go to the back where the ads are, order a book or then eventually a VHS cassette and wait for that to come and then watch. And then you go like, I get it. I know. Now I know Bagua or something. Uh, so, um, is that what it's called? I don't even know. Um, some Singyi I know now from my VHS because the guy in Wisconsin with a beard is teaching me. Now you can go online and have 50 million people teach you that wrong. And I find that's, that's um, really game-changing. Another thing, a couple things that are game-changing, winning and losing, um, tossing the board, also game-changing. A lot can change the game. I like to change games where the rules change midstream. That's sort of like how, that's our society. That's life. She's going, but I thought I knew the rules. No, <laughs> sorry. Change in management. Management keeps changing. And it does in my brain. Some days I'm so full of joy and gratitude and everything. I'm going, man, I'm just digging life. Boy, everything seems good. And then the next day, there might not be any difference. And I just think, oh, I have no friends. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. All this stuff I do is stupid. This show is stupid. I'm wasting my time. I like to have those, and I know you've probably done that. If you do anything, you've, you've thought this. Um, you think, I suck, and also, I'm underappreciated. So now, which is it? So I've gone back and forth. I've had both of those thoughts in my head at the same time. Why, why am I not a big deal? Like that, you know. I haven't, now, it's been a while, I got to say, because life, life has convinced me. I got into a debate with life, and it won. So I'm like, okay, and I get, I get it. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, debating uh, my brain, and uh, oh, look at what I see in the distance! It's Mr. Onions. He's coming to me. Management's changing again. Oh no! Is it? Who am I? Am I great? Do I suck? What is it? And then think about that. Say, okay, I, I'm part of my, I think I'm great and I'm underappreciated, let's say. And you think if I had some validation, then I would know. I was, okay, so let's say you get some validation, you get hired to do a thing. And then you start thinking, am I phony? I mean, just because I'm, just because I got that validation, because I've like, I've seen people on TV that go, you know, successful stand-up comic so-and-so, and you look at them and they're horrible or an actor or something or a singer, and you think, oh, they must think they're big stuff now because they've got this, they're on, not Johnny Carson, but like that, and then, uh, but they're awful, oh, how horrible it would be to feel as if you've been validated and then secretly suck. So I would think that also. And then I would think, no, well, you now you have no success because you're terrible. All those things went back and forth, and I wasted so many years. And I understand, uh, how could I have avoided that? I don't know. This is a horrible show because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. I got tired or something. I remember just quitting doing everything and thought, I'm just going to live. I'm just going to try to get by. I'm just going to try to survive. I'm going to try to be decent to people, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a menace, I'm not going to cause pain, I don't want to cause drama in people's lives, I, I would, I would rather be, you know, either a neutral uh, entity or a source of joy, um, but I also... I'm not going to shy away from being bummed or afraid or angry. I'm going to accept those things too. Just try not to be a menace to myself and, and others. And just, 
I don't know, endure or something. But I think that I think that it was the I think the self examination had a payoff though. I think uh, starting to see things, even if you get uh, just become disabused of an idea, sometimes that's enough. Just to unlocked on to something. So let's say you're an animal, like, you know, you're a dog and you grip your teeth onto something, the bumper of a car, and you go, I got it. Sometimes it's just enough to let go and go, wait a minute. I'm going to take a break from having my jaws around anything for a minute. And that's how I felt. I think I need to step back because I'm just grabbing too many car bumpers with my teeth. Oh, oh teeth. I had more dreams about losing them back then. You know, I'm out of control. I have no control of things. My teeth are falling out. There's wonderful, wonderful dreams like that. I used to, when I was a kid, I'd go, I'm flying with animals. And now, you know, you're like, I'm spitting out pieces of broken teeth. Um, so that's a change. But now I don't have those. Now I wonder what my dreams are. I think they're indistinguishable from my waking life. And so that's, I don't remember them. I just think they're just things that happened. Because I'll say things like, oh, i got to give you your book back. And my friend will go, what book? And I go, oh, never mind. Oh, that didn't happen. So I think now that's nice, just banal, mundane dreams would be fine, are fine with me. I'm tired of the ones where, you know, we're at war and about to be captured. I haven't got those. I wonder where they come from. I'm, I'm, I, we internalize the things during the day. I'm surprised that there's... I used to have lots more mall dreams. Did y'all have those? I'm in a mall, and it was at night or something. They're closing up. But uh, lots more mall dreams. Never, They were never positive. They always felt dark. It was always that kind of dusky, dark... You know, sometimes it's not... There's no sunlight in dreams or something. You go out into the parking lot, and you go, Is it night already? It's night inside the mall, and it's night out here. I don't remember why I'm here or how I got here. I can never find my car. It's time to check out of the hotel. This is what I have all the time. we got to check out of the hotel. And I look around the hotel room, and there's my actual furniture's in it. And I go, how am I going to get this stuff out of here? So it's basically like moving. That must be left over from being in my 20s or something. Like, we got to move out today. Oh, How? That's always have truck buddy. Let's call Chris. He has a truck. Oh, do we have to? Hey, you guys, I got a truck. So that's nice, too. Or you could be truck guy. I don't mind being that. It's sometimes you got to have some, you got to have a hook for being accepted. Say, I'll be the truck guy. And then my annoying personality will be mitigated by my usefulness. I always think about Go, hey, look what I brought. For me, it's pies and stuff. Oh, Hardy's here with a pie. All right. Zero sum game. And um, so I like that, an offering. You know, I don't, uh, you can recognize, I think, let's say, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, strong medicine. So I will bring a glass of water with me for everyone just to offset it because I don't detest myself for being who I am. And because uh, I, th I think I'm a little better than I was as far as causing uh, any kind of emotional mayhem. And, you know, just mellowing. I think it's just age. My brain is less. I can't have as many uh, negative obsessive thoughts because I'm just like I get sleepy. So that's fine, too. I don't want to attribute it to wisdom. I just don't think that's what. I mean, I've, I've, I've read and retained more stuff when I was young, so it can't, it really can't be wisdom unless wisdom is just like your hormones coming under control. Or I don't know, because I don't really feel it's information. I think it's just, you know, like, uh, do you ever get an antique or something and you go, oh, it's not, this is not a real antique, it's a modern piece that's been distressed. Well, I think a certain amount of distress is necessary to get that weathered look, that patina of age on it, and perhaps it's a little better then. And I know that now, like my relationship with people who are younger, it's great, it's better. Because even though I'm, I don't have to be an expert to just have survived, 
And it's pretty great. And they want to know, like, how'd you do it? And I go, I don't know. Here's some things I did. You know, uh, so maybe there's mistake avoidance. And I don't know that I did them on purpose, but maybe you could learn from it. So I know there's some learning involved. And I did, I've, I've looked to older people. You know, how do they do things? And so much of it, well, a lot of lessons I got were, oh, it's denial, believing wrong things. And then, well, that might not be for me. So what I might do is not fear confusion. I might just go with not being afraid of not knowing, not being afraid of being uncertain, not being afraid of being unsure of myself, not being afraid of being deficient, not being afraid of anything, really. I can make efforts to be a certain way, like I don't want to cause harm. I want to be sensitive to people. I don't want to hurt people that I don't want to hurt. So I've got to pay attention like that. There's some finesse to it. And uh, maybe I'm in a bad, uh, feisty, bitter mood. Maybe I just won't be around you. Maybe that's a way of doing it, just to, so I don't cause any harm. And then maybe when I've, I'm feeling uh, joyous, I'll share it in the form of pie and stories and, and just manic, animated conversation. I always think, do you ever think, I don't know what your personality is like. Sometimes I've thought, oh, I was being, I was very charming. And, you know, people will say, I'll get back to me and go, who was your out of control, raging, maniacal, crazy, uh, intense, too much, strong medicine friend. And you go, oh, that was Hardy. You know, I think he thought that he was being uh, debonair, but I see he's just crazy on clown or something like that. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't know if anybody's actually said that. That's a, a consideration, though. I know. I, some, sometimes I like to be quiet and listen. Uh, problem with that is I'm extremely forgetful and I'm, my mind wanders. So sometimes I can look like I'm listening. And if I'm not talking or answering and engaging, I'm, I'm gone. That was a problem in school, sitting there. You know, this is very interesting. Mm, I did not know that about the plant cells. All right. Now I'm, look at that. What color do you think that person's shirt is? I think it's... And my fingernails need cutting. Where am I? That's so that was how it went for me in like almost every class. And uh, my mind likes to meander. It's like a dog. It's very curious. It's not stupid. And it's very like a dog is uh, very good at some things. And you go, man, I don't think a person could be as good as that dog is. But we, you know, don't send it to the store for chips. Or something, because it'll it might not come back, and that's how hard he is a little bit. I'm right now. I'm doing the perfect thing for me. I believe that if I was in any other profession, this is not a profession. I realize that I'm just talking on the radio. But if I was doing any other thing, just walking around in public or something like that, I don't know that it would be suited for me as much as this is. Because I really like taking other people uh, with me when I get lost in my own mind. And my mind does have... Have you ever seen a brain? I pulled mine out briefly in my, in my dreams, which was frightening. I thought, I'm never going to get this back in. This is terrifying. Uh, um, but I was looking at it, and it's all creased. You know, like all these little folds and stuff in there. Could you imagine if you could shrink yourself down and walk around in there? It'd be like canyons, and you might get lost. Canyons with lightning in them. What a terrifying place the human brain is. And I walk around in it sometimes. Like it's a nightmarish Disneyland. And I bump into things, memories, everything's out of order. I could walk into my world of my 10-year-old self. Can you imagine that? Say, what are you doing? I'm watching laughing, but I don't understand the jokes because it's for grown-ups. All right, fun, fun. And uh, 
every, nothing's really connected. And you'll notice that time is more like the scientists tell you it is. So if you go online to wonder, in between looking at Kung Fu videos, look at some of the science ones, some of the physics ones, and, and they'll tell you, like, uh, what's your name, uh, Zabina or something will tell you, it's not time, like that. And you say, wow, there's no, there isn't time. It's our perception. Is everything happening at once? I guess it's all happening at once, and we're just perceiving it in little segments. That kind of freaks me out about, uh, you know, you're listening to old shows and everything, or you're listening to an old present. So it's never me. It's me, you know, like that Star Trek where the guy on another planet was observing Earth through his telescope. And so when they got there, Squire Tremaine was dressed in 18th century garb because the light had taken so long to get to him, it was dated. And so just like my voice, by the time it gets to you, it's dated. I'm not even the same person. And I know that because I've forgotten things. What did you have for lunch two days ago? Well, you might be able to recall three days ago. You might be able to recall last Wednesday, but maybe not. Now, my grandmother kept a mundane diary. It was a diary without any feelings. She just wrote down things she did so that if you asked her that, she could tell you. So what'd you do last Wednesday? I went to Wanamaker's. She'd know. I don't know why she needed to know, but I thought that was interesting. She wanted to supplement her memory, but she didn't want to, ha she didn't want to remember her feelings. She actually wasn't very interested in her feelings. And they were, to her, something to be hidden or managed or something but she never really talked about how she, how she felt and I know that she felt any guilt for any depression or sadness or anything she felt as if she had to um, not be that way so uh, that's that's interesting now I don't keep those kind of diaries and um, I am interested how I used to feel about things and I think that's why I make art sometimes so maybe I can uh, get inside my old head and bring the past into the present and I like to bring the future into the present too that's difficult to do oh it's difficult to look ahead in olden times those who could see clearly into the future that had already happened were called prophets now a lot of times those prophets, prophets are interesting because you're, you're, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Let's say you're a prophet and I go to you and I say, hey, I've had a prophecy and you're going to be in a war and you're going to lose. And you go, oh, thanks for that. Fantastic. Thank you for that. What is the point of you telling me that? I'm a prophet. I see the future. Okay. So that's going to happen. Yes, if that doesn't happen, I'm not a prophet. All right, good to know. Thank you. So you're saying we're going to lose a war. Now, so you might have just caused that loss. You realize that with your negative prediction. But there you go. Thank you. Now, there is an example, and I've used this before. There's an example of a prophet in, in the uh, Bible, in the Jewish Bible, there is a prophet called Jonah. Now, the, the thing about Jonah is that Jonah was given this knowledge of the future, went and told the king of Nineveh, and it didn't happen because they changed. They go, well, we better change our ways. So his vision of the future was incorrect. So as a prophet, was he a failure? He he failed to tell the future. He didn't want to do it. He didn't see what was in it for him. And he was absolutely right. But somebody was spared a horrible fate. So is it better to be right? Or is it better to save? I don't know.
Well, I don't. I know that I wouldn't. Uh, being right doesn't mean anything to me, does it to you? So I was right. Well, we're doomed. All right, good for you. Would you like to be Grand Marshal of the Doomsayers Parade? It's actually pretty cool. It's very dark. I know. I know you're not. I'm not. Uh, I'm selling it. I think. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Why would we be against that? I know, right? So. Um, which is it, though? Which do you want to be, Hardy? Do you want to be thought smart or clever? Do you want to be given uh, credit for helping, for changing? Or do you just want to have done it? And I would say... It depends on who's asking me that. Hello? Is it you, Lord? Because if it's someone who has any kind of say, I would love it to have both. Can I have both? I'm not hearing anything. I'd love both. I'm just going to put that out there. I'd love to get credit and do good. Is that but No, I don't need. The credit can backfire. The credit can backfire because, first of all, it could be wrong. You know, so I, my life was saved by the music of um, Elvisi, Elvisino, Elvisita, the little Elvis. You say, what's Elvisita? Elvisito, the little Elvis, is amazing. It saved my life music. I've never heard anything like it. And they, and they say, was that based on Elvis? And, and they say, who's that? And they go, regular Elvis. There's, a, there's an Elvis. You've heard little Elvis, but I think he's just doing the, the big Elvis's stuff. So you're saying Elvisito didn't make that? So that's the danger of uh, misassigning credit. You know, you might like a cover. Now maybe I'm giving you something that's not really mine. And... Uh, can you imagine? What if I'm just delivering something from you? What if future you is like, Hardy, I want you to, um, what's your name? Just let's go with an initial. Let's say your initial is D. Say, hey, I'm future D. I want you to give this message to past D, Hardy. Okay. All right. It's from me, future D. All right. But don't tell past D. It's from me. Tell him it's from you. Okay, and then I give you something that your future self wants you to have, and you think it came from me, but it came from you. And that's, that's closer to the truth. That's absolutely closer to the truth. Anything you get from me, listen, here's, this, here's something else. I love doing this. I love talking to you on the radio. I love being thought to be good at something. I'm not going to lie to you. It would... It would uh, disappoint me if I thought I'd worked hard at something and that I had I had uh, failed to accomplish a, you know even the smallest goal that would be disheartened I admit you know but I also know this I also know that I must have my reward in the instant that I have to do these things for their own sake. I bless you and I hope that my words help you. But I don't need to know. I don't ever need to be thanked. It's, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. There'll come a time when I'm not uh, doing this. I think I'll probably stop before I die. So there'll be this time where I'm not doing it. And he said, didn't you used to be? I still am. I'm just over here now. So I, I understand and accept this now and feel more connected to the moment and have fewer expectations. And so if I were to be made grand marshal of a parade, I would be very happy. But I would be no happier than I am not being a grand marshal of the parade. I feel I'd be even maybe a little nervous. But I also understand that 
Even that wouldn't really be me. None of it's really me. It's the, the storefront. But there's something more going on inside of this store. There's a manager, and the management changes all the time, and that gets delivered to me from my culture and from all the values and the things that I'm soaking in. They keep changing the management in my head, and then there's me. There's me who reacts and feels and needs to be told what to do by something. But the something that's telling me isn't always me, and it's mixed up with chemicals. If I feel all jazzed, worked up, and nervous because of some chemicals flowing through my body, some hormones or something, that's new management. And I'm a different employee. And so I react and I do things differently. And that's going on all the time. Oh, and I love my fellow employees. And I want to build with you a soul union so that we understand that we are all driven leaves in this river of expectations and history and other brains and minds and values in this torrent of thousands of years of our culture blowing us around and us individuals supposed to embrace any of it, uh, have it tell us what to do, boss us around in this corporation in our head that we don't fully understand. And I reach out to you and I say, this we have in common. This is our union. These are our bonds. We are all uh, in this together. And I don't know the particulars of your situation or your brain or anything. I can just say, I'm a little screaming pink organic yelling thing inside the Dalek just like you are. That's me. That's you. Little brain. Your gooey, your gooey brain with its uh, nervous system uh, tentacles or whatever they are. Things hanging down like a jellyfish. Your brain looks like a jellyfish. It's a jellyfish in a shell. Oh, that's horrifying. It's not that bad. Sometimes it's nice, though. The shells are pretty, often. Sometimes even the ones that are old look all, like, you know, nicely broken in. And my body's like that. I'm like, just now I get it all broken in. It's like leather. Get it all nice and soft, and then you're dead. So, but that's okay. It's like that with, with your leather jacket, too. Eventually, I mean, it doesn't stay, you know, uh, tissue-soft forever the next stage is decay so you just want to get that really that right oh, sweet spot there oh i love you oh time we are surfing upon it it's crazy oh let's just take this little moment right now i'm speaking to you friend oh i don't know who you are and i know you're confused by things and you're oh i don't understand other people Say this with me now. This isn't any kind of prayer or anything. I don't know what it is. It's just things that if I was with y'all, I'm trying to picture it in my mind. And I know it's just so a struggle, loving, uh, being separated, having losing people, death and birth and happiness and love and romance all these crazy i don't know how to navigate them either oh and to feel all these things at once all the joy mixed up with the with the sadness and i sense though when we connect that something happens a little bit when we connect our minds like this we're elevated a little we're liberated from the burden of our individual struggle momentarily. And we can plug back into the big, the big oneness of our unity and say, oh, human being, hug me. I will. Let me give you a big, a big warm hug of acceptance. Uh, uh, right, right to the beginning of time when I want to hug someone, I want to hug them from inception to 
to decay. All the whole time, want to hug your whole timeline. You know, put it around you and say, it's okay. This is a fate met by other uh, living things. And it's crazy. And, we, and everybody's going through everything that's ever lived, everything that ever popped up from the bottom of the ocean and had to find food and had to be eaten. Oh, it's been going on a long time. Or not at all. Or maybe it's just an instant. But, oh, I feel it. Something's happening. And I know that when I connect with you, my friend, it happens in a better way. You know, and better doesn't mean perfect. I mean, you know, if I come into you, uh, 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 your office, and I say, hey, uh, I, I look at my hand. I'm in pain. I'm, it's a nine. And you wrap up my hand. And you say, what about now? And I go, now it's a four. See, that's better. And it doesn't mean you're having joy. It just means your, your pain is mitigated and we're, we're getting there together. Oh, my friend. Who am I talking to? You're talking to your friend Hardy. I thought you knew that. Oh my gosh, your dependable radio friend. I'm here to not only keep you company and tell you stories, but I'm here to distract. Distract means to, uh, to divert your attention from other things. Just momentarily, it's okay. Everything is a, everything is a distraction, isn't it? From what, though? What do you not need to be distracted from this. I'm distracting you towards the thing that's most worth having, and that is love. Oh, the feeling of it being okay, getting what you need, saying you're all right, whoever you are, right this instant. Well, you've got challenges, things to do. Maybe in two seconds you won't be all right. But right now, oh, I cherish the instant together. And we will realize that we can rise up. And though not, we may not defeat management, we can let them know that we're here and that we demand a little break during the day where there's pudding or something or uh, some treat, some nice treat. Jello, jello is not enough of a treat to me. I was always disappointed when my grandmother would make jello. Jello for dessert? Mm. Really? Did I just have surgery? Can we have something else, Grandma? Ooh, I've whipped part of it and made parfaits. You take some of the jello and whip it, and it gets all fluffy and white, and you put that in the parfait too. And you go, okay, now we're talking. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Grammy, I thought we're, it was just regular jello. I apologize. Oh, my friends, I'm glad to be with you. We're nearing the end of our time together. Here we are at the end of the show. The show's behaved good, but there's nowhere to go. I will leave you in good hands of the next person doing the show. <laughs> All right, my friends, oh, I hope it's been a wonderful experience for you. I am blessed and delighted to be on this radio station week after week under the name Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York. And online at WFMU.org worldwide on the internet, 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 intercoastal, intercoastal, inter, intracoastal, internet. Oh, I'm glad that we could share this time together. And I will see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.